Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, recording from the Unscripted Studio at the Junction in Old Hilliard, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. Great Redeemer, God of All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted, and it's been a minute since I've had an Unscripted podcast, but it's been well worth the wait, I believe. Uh, hopefully after today's episode, everyone will also agree to that. But from my basement studios, soon to be studios at the junction very soon. Um, let me go ahead and run through a quick introduction. And uh, you all know I don't read well, but let me go ahead and try it. Uh, Manny Ohomi has uh, achieved international recognition as a philanthropist, social entrepreneur, businessman, author, and speaker. He is the founder, president, and CEO of Samaritan's Feet a nonprofit organization established in 2003 that has provided more than 6.5 million pairs of shoes. And I bet that number is higher even now because the website was probably outdated. Uh, Shoes to individuals in needs across 88 countries around the world and in hundreds of cities across the United States of America. His organization has worked with more than 100,000 volunteers. And now, after developing and starting to manufacture the Samaritan's Feet Innovative World Shoe, which I can't wait to hear about, Manny and his team are focused on realizing the day when there are no longer, there will, I'm sorry, there will no longer be any shoeless children. With more than 20 years of experience as a global leader, Manny enjoys sharing his insight along with his inspirational story of being born in, is it Lagos? Lagos, Nigeria, and how shoes became the symbol of hope and a vehicle to help transform lives of millions of people living in poverty around the world. Uh, Please give a big unscripted welcome to my new friend, Manny. Manny, wow, I'm speechless. And I just told you a minute ago, we had to wait because I wanted to tell you this. If I get through this and don't tear up, at some point, <laughs> it'll be a miracle, man. It'll be a miracle. And I've only I've only cried on one other episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, man, watching your videos and um, just becoming more familiar with you. Um, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. So, man, welcome to Unscripted. Thank you for having me, Aaron. I mean, it's such a blessing. Um, you know, it's amazing how, how God scripts our story and, um, you know, how that's supposed to uh, become you know, a spotlight that points us back to the king, man. So uh, it's all part of his his original design. And, um, you know, we're here to leave our indelible mark uh, to remind the next generation that we're here. So uh, I'm excited to be a part of this today. Well, let's 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 start at the very beginning. I I gave your bio, but let's hear it from you directly. What what is Samaritan's Feet? Let's just tell us your story. That's what we're all about. Yeah, I mean, you know, Samaritan Fit is a global humanitarian organization. Uh, actually, uh, we headquartered uh, in a great Tar Heel state. I, I joke around, I tell people that's a Tar Heel fan, you know. Mm-hmm. Tar Heel boom in my country, you know. Absolutely. People and people all across the country. Uh, we still love you guys. But, uh, no, it's uh, it, it's amazing to think about, you know, my journey. Uh, you can my accent, I'm not from Ohio. <laughs> I'm from Nigeria, you know. It's like, you know. World, uh, my world was so different, Aaron. Uh, you know, I was that kid. I used to grow up every single day and say simple prayer. I used to say, "God, give me zero zero one." Uh, I mean, simply that He took care of it in our breakfast, He took care of it in our lunch. But God, give me supper so I can make it to the next day. Right. 
It's so funny you look at me today and say, there's not a chance this brother's missed a meal in his life. You know what I'm saying? You know, but, uh, but I tell you what, uh, my world and the world of millions of people around the world were very similar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, you know my, my job at the age of nine is to help my, my mom, you know, perform a simple economic task to actually help provide a little bit uh, as a street merchant to go sell water and sufferings for my mom uh, to put a little extra money on the table and, um, you know, so just like many kids in Africa and in different developing parts of the world, um, you know, sometimes you do them before school, sometimes you do it after school, sometimes you do it all weekend, um, you know, but it, it, it's part of our, it's part of our hustle. I tell people all the time, I tell my kid, I got four kids right now. I, you know, I've been a, I've been a salesman since the time I've been year, year big, you know, mm-hmm. my kid runs one of the biggest uh, bottling, uh, Coca-Cola bottling com- com- companies in the country, uh, Frank Harrison. And, and I, I still remember telling Frank, uh, uh, a while ago on his private jet flying. And I said, you know, I was probably one of your earliest sales guy in Nigeria. Uh, selling mm-hmm. athletes, so you know, you know, playing basketball or soccer, or f- football by my house. You know, one day I, you know, I was helping my mom sell soft drinks at a park in Nigeria. And there was this group of people that came uh, to teach African children how to play sports. See, see, in my country, you know, everything that's round and bounce, we kick them, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this guy's brother, this stuff called, they were orange basketballs, man. They were orange balls. And right. they, they were dribbling this one and passing this one and shooting this one. You know, so I showed up at the park that day with all these kids having fun. And, and um, you know, like, uh, man, I, I saw them playing these balls. I'm like, God, I want to join this kid. Uh, but ever showed up in a place where you feel like you don't belong? I mean, you know, maybe it's because of your zip code or where your background is. You walk into a boardroom and, ah, maybe yeah. I, I'm not invited to this, this part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, right. so I showed up there, I want to do, I put my back of the water down. I want to sh- join them. They shoot me away because I was a street merchant. And, uh, um, you know, but but sometimes us, it's just, whoever it is that's watching out there, you know, sometimes you got to push through because, you know, oftentimes it, there's, there's not enough shortage of people in life that's trying to keep us from pursuing our destiny. Mm. Uh, you'll see them in boardrooms. You'll see them in corporations. You'll see them in schools. Uh, you see them in your neighborhood. Some of them in your family. Uh, they just, you know, just help bend to keep you from pursuing because they know the potential that God's deposited in you. Right. Today, there was no different at our park in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, those kids were placed there to try and discourage me because they didn't realize I was about to have a date with destiny. Mm. Uh, Showed up there that day, and uh, I, and I'm looking at us that shoot me away. So I stood in the sideline watching, and all of a sudden, one of the balls rolled around the corner uh, by this tree. So I quickly ran after that ball uh, and brought it right in. And uh, so I just snuck in like I was one of the kids I was in there. And we were all African looking, you know, they can tell the difference. Uh, passing the ball, shooting the ball, dribbling the ball. Man, we were having a ball. And uh, I know I was supposed to be there for a separate agenda, but today I was having fun with these kids. All of a sudden, this guy, Dave from Wisconsin, said, we're going to have a shooting competition. He said, the price for the winner is going to be a new pair of shoes. I played went nuts. Wow. You got to realize in my neighborhood, when your parents leave on less than a dollar a day, a pair of tennis shoes like a Mercedes Benz. Right. This guy said, we're going to give somebody a pair of tennis shoes? I <laughs> police went crazy. Pick me, pick me. We're all jumping. I was one of the few that got Wow. I never played basketball in my life. No, I shot that ball that day. <laughs> I ended up winning the competition. Is that right? I became the first person, not just in my family, but my community to own a pair of tennis shoes. Oh, my goodness. Crazy. I was so excited, Aaron. And, uh, you know, like uh, this guy called me to the front and, and, and it presented me this brand new shoes and, and, and the smiles on my face. I haven't even stopped smiling ever since that day because that, I became 
my trademark. I was so excited. Right. What I to do was run home. And I was about to take off this guy, grab him by my shoulder. And he said, sons, just because all you see around is poverty doesn't mean the God of the universe is forgotten about you. Mm. Keep dreaming and keep dreaming big. Because they told me that I did the sky was green, I would have believed him. I was so excited. After yeah. I speaking, I took off. Yeah. Aaron, I ran so fast, I forgot my basket of soft drinks and water. <laughs> I showed up at home. My mom looked at me and said, Son, where's my water? I said, Mama, check on my shoes. That's right. <laughs> Forget your water. Look at my shoes. Man, it was so well. Mom was so happy for me for about a few seconds. And they said, Son, you better go bring my water back. Or else, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, and uh, I ran all the way back there, just, just elated. And uh, uh, thank goodness my uh, 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 merchandise was still there. So I brought it back home. But from that day on, basketball became my escape. Mm. Home life was somewhat of a difficult life. Uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, but, Every single family, there's always somebody or somebody that we know that has a battle with dealing with addiction. Mm. That was one of those, and they struggled with alcohol, they struggled with a few other things. And, um, you know, so, and every time, um, you know, um, you know, in those days when you'll get, you know, drunk, guess who we'll get out of? And, you know, so um, all I ever heard from him at those times, I'm pretty sure he said some good words to me, but all I ever remember. So I, I'm, I'm saying this if you listen to it, be careful what you say to your children. Mm. People always say, you know, um, you know, words, you know, like there used to be that that saying that you say sticks and stones or, you know, that hurts your words can destroy people. Mm. My father was that, yeah, even though he says good things, but but I'll never amount to much mm-hmm. because of, of the spirit and alcohol will take over and you beat me and say some mean and evil things to me. Every time you'll say that, it's so cool. My, my mom will come behind him and, and she put her hands on my head and, and she says, son, just because all you see around you is poverty. I remember this. My God that created you promised that you can do all things. Mm-hmm. It, she used to say to me that whatever mean and evil things this man said about my son will never come to pass. Wow. God has promised me that my son could do all things to Christ who gives him strength. Wow. Mom always have a way of always encouraging me and reminding me and taking me back to the, to the initial, the original intent of my existence, my creation. I was placed here as an assignment to accomplish something for the king. I don't know how she even had the faith, the ability to be able to plan this kind of seats in my mind. Because right. we grew up in the neighborhood I grew up in, even though I had dreams, but my dreams could be as far as the moon. I didn't know how to connect those dots. And it was yeah. hard and so difficult. You know, but my mom was such an inspiration. And, and, and sometimes I go to my mom, I say, mom, why do we have to live so poor? Mm-hmm. Why do we have to live like this? My mom's such an innovator, such a smart woman. She would take me by this little window of my house. She says, son, I want you to look outside. She says, son, what do you see? I look outside the window and I ramble. I said, mom, I see the trees. And he says, son, you're not looking high enough. She says, son, I want you to look higher and tell me, what do you see? And I said, mom, I see birds flying. She says, son, you're not looking high enough. I want you to look higher and tell me, what do you see? I said, mom, I see the clouds. And then she says, son, you ever wonder why God created the sky so high? And I said, I don't know, mom. And she says, so poor boys like you can dream. Oh, wow. Never make excuse for life. So just because it's going to be a crappy day doesn't mean tomorrow ain't going to be a great day. Wow. My guy is on the train says, son, you can do all things. Wow. So my mama said, and, and, and basketball became my escape. So every time I, I have any extra time after school, I'll go to the basketball court. I started getting bigger. I started getting better. Uh, I grew up to be about six foot four. I wasn't very big. I was skinny. Uh, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the best. I wasn't the quickest, but I had a desire to be good. Mm-hmm. I wake up every day and work on my game. And one day, uh, right before my senior 
uh, I was actually getting ready to uh, go into my senior uh, year of high school and I, I approached my coach. I said, Coach, uh, I have a dream. And, and I said, okay, you have a dream. What's your dream? I said, Coach, I, I, believe, I, I believe I'm supposed to go play basketball in America. And true story, he laughed at me. He said, son, you're not fast enough. You're not quick enough. You're not big enough. Who do, who do you think you're going to get an opportunity to play basketball in the United States? <laughs> And you got to realize it's coming from the coach, the guy that coached one of the most famous Nigerian basketball player guy by the name of Akim Olajuwon. Oh, yeah. So he knew exactly what he was talking about. I mean, you got, you, if you know the dream, he, he discovered him. He taught him uh, years ago before he started teach, uh, coaching us. And, um, you know, so he said, man, but I got to tell you, man, you ballsy. The fact that you even came and asked me that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's what I'm going to do for you. Uh, because, I, you know, I never want to be someone that would known as a dream killer. He said, uh, uh, I'm going to give you some names of some schools. I'm pretty sure she gave me bottom feeders. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, 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 I want you to write them letters. If any of them ask, you know, responds to you, here's the favor I'll do for you. I'll be willing to give you a recommendation and saying, yes, uh, that, that you play for me. But that's how far I'm going to go. So I said, that's all I need. I just need a little uh, in the door. Just uh, need a chance. We'll do. That's all I need. Mean. I just need a chance. Yeah. So, so I, I wrote letters and uh, in those days put them in the, in the snail mail all the way to the United States. All of a sudden, I'm getting five different interests from the different schools. Wow. I know nothing of America. I've, I've heard about New York, I've heard about Los Angeles, and I've heard about Houston, Texas. Freaking <laughs> <laughs> kid, didn't know much, man. Google didn't ex- exist, Bing didn't exist. I didn't know how to do any research. So I, I'll do what every great you know, African kid would do I'll pick the school with the best looking brochure. <laughs> Colors, right? <laughs> Whatever had the best mascot. I tell you, I laid them down on the table, and uh, and they had this beautiful blonde hair looking girls. Uh, they look gorgeous, and they have this, this guy. They must have borrowed this vehicle was a Corvette. I ended up buying one. I thought I could afford one in the future because they tricked me real good. <laughs> School I picked the University of North Dakota in Lake Region. What what were the other ones? I'm sorry. What what were the other ones? Davidson. David Lipscomb, Milligan. Um, uh, there was a couple other ones I can't think right now, but there was a, they were all over the place. I mean, now Oklahoma, Oklahoma, it's now called Oklahoma Christian University in, in Oklahoma City, and there's another one. And uh, I still remember because Dan Hayes actually was coach at Oklahoma uh, Christian was one that really wanted me to come to school there. And uh, so, but I didn't know the difference. I didn't know the difference between a four-year school or two-year school. That looked that looked pretty amazing. I'm going to that school. They got a Corvette. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, maybe all of them get a Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me. So you ended up where? <laughs> I ended up in North Dakota, brother. <laughs> and uh, I remember true story. You know, so so I, I got I, I got accepted. I went to the process, send them this stuff. I fill out the form, and I also said, hey, whoever sent me my travel papers is called in those days called Form I-20. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get your visa and do all that. So whoever come. They were the first ones the paperwork showed up. So that's exactly my school. So I just said, man, this, this is where I'm going. Uh, but here's the deal. I was supposed to show up in school in June uh, because of, so I can kind of get acclimated and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we had to come up with $700 to buy a ticket. $700 in my household is like $7 million. Right. And uh, I mean, when your parents live on about a dollar a day, uh, that's, uh, wow. uh, that, that's like, that's like, Boarding the, the virgin intergalactic stuff going to Mars for me. Right, right. And uh, so my mom sold all she had. She tried to b- borrow money and 
And man, we could not come up with $700. Mm. Uh, and on top of that, in those days, when you come play basketball in America, you had to be responsible for your own health insurance. You got to be responsible for a few other things. So I had to come up with another $300 uh, to help me with uh, uh, as a traveler's check. So, so we got to come up with $1,000. And, and I got a letter in the spring. Um, so through March, April, May, June came, July, August, September. The school giving up on me. This guy's not coming. And all of a sudden, some relative was able to come through. We borrowed some money. We did a bunch of stuff. We were able to buy the tickets. And uh, um, the, on a later on, they only bought one way ticket. <laughs> and <laughs> they bought an Alitalia. They flew me all the way to Chicago. Aaron, you know, so I flew two days. Here's another side story. It was so crazy. I bought the plane. They were, they were passing out food on that plane. I thought they was going to cost them money. That was my first time ever leaving the country. I never even ate the food. Right. They said, man. I ain't no way I'm spending this $300 in my traveler's check. I didn't realize that stuff was, was, was free. free. <laughs> and so flew all the way to Chicago, bought a group of night in Rome, all the way to Chicago, got to Chicago. I was so excited. I thought I've got to my destination. At that time, there was this uh, the airline was still in business called Northwest Airlines. So right. I, I approached them at, at Chicago here. I said, hey, here's my address. I told the lady I was a good attendant. Hey, I'm, I'm heading out to my school in University of North Dakota, she looked at me and said, son, you're not even close. I said, what do you mean? So I've been traveling for two days. And she said, uh, son, you got to have to fly aboard a Greyhound bus. So what's a Greyhound bus? He says, man, son, you know, I won't even put my enemy on that bus. I said, oh, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't getting on that bus, whatever that is. And, uh, and so she said, but you can buy this ticket. Was it was like a hundred and eighty some dollars, some crazy amount of money, which my parents can't even afford for the year. I'm like, I can't spend that kind of money, right? Because I thought this three hundred dollars was going to last me for two years. And and she's saying, now son, you better buy the ticket. Is that the only way you're going to get there? I saw my stomach was sick, Aaron. So finally, mm. and uh, all the way from from O'Hare Airport to Grand Forks, North Dakota, I just had the sickness in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Almost $200. So I landed in the airport. I learned my first lesson in America. I picked up the phone. I called my coach. <laughs> Nobody was there. I said, what's, what's up with this guy? Doesn't you know how I'm supposed to be coming? <laughs> I learned one of the first American lessons. You got to call ahead. I didn't even call them. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up sleeping at the airport uh, that first night. And uh, so the next morning, I went to the gate attendant because nobody called me back. So I said, well, I, t- I showed him the address. He said, it's about another 90 miles from Grand Forks. I said, how big is this country, man? I've right. been for like forever and I'm hungry. And, yeah. you know, so um, it was so crazy. He said, man, the only way you can get there is you got to take this bus called Greyhound. That's another chance. <laughs> I already heard about that. Uh, <laughs> there's a lady in Chicago that told me about your stuff, man. I said, I ain't taking it. He said, son, that's the only chance you got. <laughs> Finally boarded that Greyhound bus, man. A road, what it was supposed to be 90 miles, took us almost five hours. <laughs> you know, this stuff in every poor down town, man. Right. I don't know what it was delivering. I finally got to my campus, got to actually the city, uh, the town called uh, Devil's Lake, North Dakota. And I talked to the guy, I said, here's where I'm going. He said, you got to walk around the corner. You take a ride here. And you got to realize it's that early winter in North Dakota that year. Ugh. I had a lean-in. Outfit on. I didn't even have a. I didn't have a coat. Uh, I was carrying two bags. I was empty. I got to look like I'm traveling. So there's nothing really in the bag. 
<laughs> and I'm walking, and uh, it was two miles. I didn't even know what two miles was. So I started walking, and I'm freezing. I'm shaking. Mm. And this amazing family pulled next to me, and they looked at me. They said, you must be Emmanuel. And that freaked me out. I they said, knew who you were. He said, are you Emmanuel? I said, I didn't want to answer the question. I, mean, I just landed in. They said, yeah, they wrote an article about you in May that you were going to be coming as an international student to come play basketball. All of a sudden, we didn't hear, but when we saw it, we knew how bad. No, yeah. <laughs> African guy's kind of hanging around here. That's, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of stuck right. out. <laughs> right. And, and this was 31 years ago. So, so they took me and um, they said, you, you want to ride? I said, absolutely. I'm going to campus. So they took me, give me a ride and took me back there. We, we rode all the way with them. I got to the campus. Nobody was campus. Campus was just about shut down for the weekend. I said, well, we just came from church. You want to go grab a bite to eat with me? I'm saying, no, so I'm starving. I haven't eaten in a couple of days. And uh, so I went home with him. I mean, Aaron, this is the best part. <laughs> it gets better. I mean, I'm it gets you better. That. We already have planes, trains, and automobiles, and it gets better. Come on, man. <laughs> Seriously, I can't wait for this. It's crazy. I showed up, and uh, it was like Thanksgiving. They had this feast. I mean, I've never seen them much more food in my life. But here's the problem. I didn't know how to eat it. I'm looking at this. Oh, man, I don't know what this is. It looked mushy and. And all this stuff, it literally was mashed potatoes, gravy, and stuffing, and and all this stuff. So I started looking. I saw, okay, I know this one. This one's the bun. I, I've seen this one. It's like bread. Yeah. I took the bun. I cut it wide open. I put it. I started putting stuffing in there. I didn't know I started eating like a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy had like three sons, and the little one leaned over to his mom and said, "Mom, this guy's weird. He's eating." <laughs> Sandwich. Awesome. <laughs> but you but it, was it. Unbelievable. it was you unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I ate, I fell asleep, I got up, and uh, the final took me to campus. And uh, it was unbelievable. I got to campus, they quickly set up a room for me. The next morning, there was a early snow outside, and I said, They got to change my room. I said, I can't be looking at snow every single day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I literally convinced them, Aaron to turn this storage room that's kind of like a boiler room in the middle of the dormitory into my bedroom. They had no windows, had nothing. And, and, and it was so cool. I, I cranked up my eat to about 84 degrees. I remember my coach came to visit me. He walked in here, ran back. I said, you're going to kill yourself. I said, I like it's just like Africa, man. That's right. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But, but that's wow. when my journey began. And, and, and I, after two years there, I transferred uh, to uh, this college in Minnesota called Concordia because it was the only ones that I actually had. Uh, international business, international relations degree, because I literally thought Aaron, my dream was to go run the UN food program. Because I knew what it was like to be hungry. I said, one day I want to learn everything that has to do with how do I run an international organization? And one day I want to know how to produce and manufacture. So I thought I graduated there. I went to North Dakota State for my master's to get a, a, a double major, a master's in, in agricultural economics, applied economics, and international, log uh, international logistics and transportation. And uh, I was a great student. So I was selected one of the top students in my program. So, so they invited me to this conference in San Diego, California. So I, I truly aligned in San Diego. I said, God, why wasn't this one of my options? Right. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> this, is, this is where I belong. And, Nicest uh, city I've ever been to. Honestly. Oh, my God. It's, it's a gorgeous place. It's heaven I on love earth. San Diego. I love yeah. San Diego. And, gorgeous. and it was so cool. The, the, there was a gentleman by the name of Patrick Tien. was a Singaporean brother. He was the CEO of this supply chain company. He approached me after they profiled me. And, uh, and he says, man, Manny, do you want a job? I said, yes, I want a job. That's right. Like, he's going to like to fly me to Charlotte. I said, where's Charlotte? 
You said the last time I didn't ask that question, I showed up in North Dakota. I'm And I'm not taking a Greyhound. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, so true story, flew me to Charlotte, uh, offered me the job in the spot, uh, I ended up taking it in. It was right at the heart of the technology boom. All was going well. Uh, company got acquired eventually and joined another technical uh, technology company. Uh, through that process, I said, you know what? Um, you know, uh, I need to learn every aspect of the supply chain aspect of delivering products globally. Uh, through the season of my life, my father got real sick. Mm. Uh, I always tell people all the time that in life, you know, God always allows us to make our choices. Mm -hmm. Seldom will he ever allow you to pick your consequences. You're, you're, I'm sorry, you broke up. Allow you to make seldom, your choices. I said, God will allow you to make your choices. But seldom will he ever allow you to pick your consequences. Mm. Absolutely. Because your choices always have consequences. My father's choice to abuse all the things he abused, the alcohol, all the things he took, eventually caught up with him. And my father was diagnosed with cirrhosis to the liver. And my father was dying. It was the most beautiful thing in that season because... Um, you know, I knew if my father was to die, I knew my father was going to hell. Um, and, but God used me and, and used my sister uh, through me to lead my father to Christ. Wow. Two weeks after that process, my father passed away and uh, went to be with the Lord. And I know I'll see him in heaven one day, and I'm so excited about that. And I had to go back to Nigeria to go bury my dad. And I've been gone now for about 10 years and uh, forgotten what living in poverty was like. I am living the American dream. Uh, I remember showing up at my house, uh, Aaron. Um, I literally couldn't even use our bathroom. It was bad. Uh, I had to go across the street to the park where it was so warm. And, um, and as I came out of that uh, restroom and I looked on the horizon with those kids with no shoes and with no hope. And that's when the power was in my soul and my psyche. What if I can't come start helping kids just like this? And remind them also that they can also dream big dreams. Mm. Start bringing them shoes and use that as a platform to actually open their lives. And then I said, man, maybe this, this is for somebody else. Maybe not, this is not for me. I, I, I've now escaped. Uh, I'll support somebody else, man. And, uh, and then one guy wants you, God always gets you. Right. I came back to America. Uh, I told my wife and what I've seen. And, and, I, and then I learned that over 300 million kids woke up each day in Africa with no shoes. I thought that was an injustice. Say that again. The, say that 300 again. million people. Wow. In Africa with no shoes. That wasn't the worst, you know, Aaron. World Health Organization said 1.5 billion people were infected with diseases that they never had shoes. Because they didn't have shoes. They didn't have shoes. 1.5 billion. I mean, diseases like like protoconeosis, cystosomiasis, tungiasis, all these ringworms that can come into people's body through their feet because they have no shoes. And Manny, I'm sorry, sorry. Let's just put that in perspective because I don't know the I don't have it anywhere near me and, and maybe I'm not even close on the numbers. I'm not that bright, but we have a global pandemic right now and everybody's wearing masks, right? We're all wearing masks. We're doing our thing. We're getting our vaccines and I, whatever you feel about that is, is whatever you feel. I don't know. And maybe I'm completely off on this. Have 1.5 billion people been affected by, right? I mean, just, just for pers some perspective, it's a worldwide pandemic in many ways, is it fair to say that not having shoes is a worldwide pandemic based it's, on the it's, number you just gave me? It's it's a pandemic that people don't even know exists. Right. 
that people are living with every single day just because of the zip code where they're born. My gosh. Just because, just because, uh, you know, the fact that we get, we, we are so, I tell my kids all the time that they are some of the most blessed people in the face of this earth. Mm-hmm. The mere fact that they were born in America set them apart to be in the top one percentile of the world in excessive blessings. Absolutely. And, and that's the reality of people in our world. And people don't they know that, that shoes is part of the school uniform in many parts of the world. Without shoes, kids can't go to school. So, so it's not just having uniform, but shoes. So you got kids that their parents got to decide, do I feed my kids? Do I clothe my kids? Do I buy medication? Do I buy shoes? Hey, if you ain't got shoes, you can't go to school. So kids were missing the education window. Kids couldn't attend school, and all of a sudden they start becoming street merchant, and their window closes, and all of a sudden they become part of the statistics because of something that we in this country use as a fashion accessory. Yes, and that's where you got me um, in the video that I, I was watching. You said shoes are a fashion statement for us, and many people in it's their mode of transportation um man and i i literally my wife my wife and i sometimes share a home office and i i look back on the floor and i probably have 10 pairs of shoes and i'm not bragging they're not like they're not all jordans and mm-hmm. i mean we're talking just running shoes you know mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. still who cares if it's a 20 dollar pair of cons i have i had probably had 10 pairs of shoes in my office on the floor because that's where i get my shoes slides whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. you know various shoes and as you said, that's a fashion statement. And for many, it's a mode of transportation. And Manny, I broke down. Um, you know, I, I literally, I, I li- I'm not gonna lie, I broke down. We can get my wife in if you want to bring her on, because because she's looking at me kind of weird. And I was just like, we are blessed. We are blessed in this country, and we forget just how blessed we are because we live in this country. I was born into this, and that's all I know. But it's such a wake up call to speak to someone like yourself who has seen all angles of this and, and man, we're blessed. I mean, I mean, you know, one of the places where we work is in Uganda and, and we work in now, I think we, I think we've served kids in about 110 countries. Uh, we've served kids uh, now, um, uh, you know, uh, right now, as of this month, we've served over 8.34 million people worldwide. Um, and in 44 U.S. states, 440-plus U.S. cities. Um, you know, I still remember the first time I went to this, this place in Uganda, in Mississippi, and they have these jiggers, and, um, and, and, and it, it's, it's, it's a parasite that burrows through the soil, and, and they're looking for opening in your feet. You have a little cut. Um, you know, you have... You know, you step on a corroded metal, you step on a bottle, your barbed wire or whatever, you have a little laceration. That's the access point. And then they travel through your blood system and your skin starts changing. It looks like you have leprosy. And the cure for it, Aaron, is their shoes. Um, you know, and, and, and millions, I'm talking millions of people in the world has this condition. Not just in Africa. You can go to you know, like Colombia, South America, you can go to India, you go to all those places. Um, you know, I, I go to Ethiopia. This one kind of, I mean, that one, this one actually broke me. I went to Ethiopia and we do a lot of work in Ethiopia. And 
And it is this condition called protoconiosis. It's a non-filarial type of elephantiasis. And, and many of them live in agrarian cultures, so they're farmers. So they, 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 are, they are working in silica soil, you know, try to cultivate the soil to be able to provide for their families. But because they have no protection for their soul, that soil eats away at the protective souls and then attacks their nerve system. And their feet started, starts expanding from your regular size to twice, sometimes four times their regular size. And it has pus. I'm sorry, you just you smell. Literally, you are treated like a leper. Nobody wants to be around you. So you can't provide for your family. Your kids can't eat. Your kids can't go to school. Because of something that's a fact, five million people in Ethiopia has this condition, over a million of them children. Because of shoes. This is just, and we can solve that problem today by just providing them shoes. Shoes, I mean, just provide that protection. You can stop, reverse the trend. If you capture and, and, and find those people early enough, we can soak that feed in, in, in chlorine. We, we, we have therapies that you can give to them. This, this socks that just help pushes out all this inflammation and, and then just keep their feet away from that soil and you change their lives. And, and, and if you catch it too late, you have to amputate their feet. Oh my gosh. So shoes, that's why I, I, I say to people, I said, man, how can you be, how can we team up to, to, to really help us? I mean, you can, we can actually stop this problem in our lifetime. I mean, this is not something where you need billions of dollars and a whole bunch of medications and then, We've actually, that's why when we talk about the prophylactic shoe, we created our world shoe. That's a solution. We'll get to that later on. But that's where we start seeing what's going on. But, but I got to tell you how I actually got called this because, um, you know, it, it took me a little bit because my, you know, uh, oftentimes people always know that they're called to something much bigger, but, mm-hmm. but comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we used to, I used to joke around. I used to say, God invented direct deposit for me because, <laughs> man, I know that check is, is showing electronically in my bank account. But, but I knew I was called to something much bigger, Aaron. Mm-hmm. But, but I was so scared in stepping up, so I kept putting that in the box. Right. You know, so, so uh, I, I, was, I was part of my third or so uh, software company, um, and my buddy brought me back to Charlotte uh, to, uh, uh, to come help and lead uh, the, the, uh, the business development, the alliances, the marketing, the product uh, um, management of this new software company. We're going to come up with this amazing innovation to provide scheduling for the grocery and retail space and help provide advanced visibility to people's inbound so people can better coordinate and schedule. And we were selling to the likes of Walmart and Safeway and Kroger, all these kind of people. And, and it was so crazy. Uh, we just went, I think this was a series C, getting ready for a series of VC funding and we just raised significant dollars. And, and, and it was so funny. This, this VC out of New York, look at all of us at that time. <laughs> he said, man, you guys need some adult supervision. <laughs> we just give you guys millions of dollars, man. And all of us were like 28 and 30 year olds, you know, like saying, my kind of company. <laughs> <laughs> we need some gray hair around these guys, man. So, so, so it was so funny. They, they, they brought a handful of guys that were kind of seasoned to kind of come become executive layer to provide some guidance and coaching. And, and, and all of a sudden, overnight, I had a boss, and, and uh, we brought the, the VC brothers president in. So the CEO uh, was a founder, myself, and some of the other guys that was the original ELT of this company. We were like, what's going on? And so we were looking at actually going to acquire a company in, in Dallas, Texas. It was so crazy. Um, you know, my, uh, uh, my new boss, Jay Rollins, um, 
know, he and I flew down to Dallas. So the night before, I said, hey, we've got a meeting tomorrow. You know, let's just go get some tickets. Let's go watch my favorite player being part of play against, you know, uh, uh, the Dallas Mavericks because he was playing for New Jersey then. And so we went and got a ticket. We showed up at the, at the arena. And as we sat down, they turned around and looked at me. They said, Manny, if money wasn't an issue, how would you change the world? Mm. Looked around, I said, I'm messed up. <laughs> what kind of question is this? And so, so I started sharing with, with passion, excitement about this vision I had to put shoes in. That's like telling them the statistics and my, my burden that I'm going to be able to not just provide them shoes, but, but I want to create a platform to wash their feet and use that as a transaction making an exchange of soul for their soul and create the dialogue to understand what their dreams are and how can I connect them to people that can help them make those dreams become reality. But that all starts through the gift of shoes. And the more I shared, and it was, he just stopped me. He said, Manny, why are you here? And when your boss asks you a question while you're here, you change the subject pretty quick. Right. And so I said, I was like, God, let this game start. I don't want to talk to this guy about this stuff anymore. All of a sudden, the buzzer hit. I said, thank goodness. I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> so thank you, Vince Carter. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it was crazy. I didn't realize that day a seed was planted. A couple of weeks after that trip, my wife and a group of our friends went to this conference in Greensboro, North Carolina, called, with this lady called Joyce Myers. I don't know if you've ever heard about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she was holding this conference, uh, the Joyce Myers conference. So I had a lady, got into a van with my wife. They drove all the way. This was in uh, 2000 at this time, 2003, actually, early 2003. And, um, you know, they went down there, and, and as, as they were about to get out of the vehicle to go check into the hotel, this lady, this is the first time I walked, they just rode from Charlotte to Greensboro. She said, Tracy, can I talk to you? I said, absolutely. She looked at my Tracy in the eye. She said, God has called you and your husband to a big vision. That's mm. putting God in the box. Tracy said, who is this woman? She started telling Tracy some things that we've never told a soul. And she said, God has called you guys to, 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 to go mobilize an army of young people to go impact the world with his love. Wow. She saw a convoy of trucks. Remember that word, convoy of trucks, and I'll tell you why in a minute. And, and right after she finished speaking, she said, is it okay if I serve you in a very unique way? She said, what do you mean? And she had a bottle of Deer Park water. She said, is it okay if I wash your feet? Well, wow. it's called you to go serve this creation all across the globe. And Tracy is weeping. Mm -hmm. And she went to that conference for two days. She got home. I've done something wrong to Tracy. She walked in the house. I know you're married. And when you walk, you know you've done something wrong when you see your wife's face. I said, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she said, she said to me, I said, honey, we've been disobedient. So what about. She shared what this lady shared with her. It was such confirmation. We both wept. And I said, well, I got to find a way to get away with my wife. It's not how to, I got to distract this woman because I'm not ready to step out now. You know, I've got responsibilities in Africa. This time I've got three. We won on the way. Well, I said, so I said, man, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. I was trying to pacify my bride. I said, mm -hmm. Austin, South Carolina, to go prayer. Mm -hmm. Make a getaway, she'll forget it. <laughs> I kind of do my husband thing, you know. For those for those not watching and just listening, he made air quotes when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so I was like, you know, uh, so so we went to Charleston, 
And um, it was so crazy. And, and we got to Charleston. And, and right before we went out to dinner, my wife looked at me again and said, honey, what is it going to take for you to go pursue what God has called us to do? I said, woman, stop asking me this question. Gonna come here for a great weekend, <laughs> right? We're gonna pray. We're gonna go back. We'll talk about that on no, Sunday. Today's Friday. Let's let's yes, talk about come that on, man. So she said, she said, "What is it gonna take for you?" And and I was trying to get my wife off this subject. So I said to her, "Try and think. This will put out to bed. I just need to save another six months of income. I know we have enough savings." If I combine six months of income and what I got, I would probably can survive for a couple of years. I know God is pretty busy. Just in case it forgets his African boy and <laughs> I can still survive for a couple of years. Right. Aaron, I wish I said three years that day. It was Monday morning. I was about to, I did all my conference calls with all our sales guys and our alliance partners across the country. And I started to go grab lunch. In the door of Jay, the guy that we went to Dallas together. I said, Jay, you want a bike? He said, hey, come into my office. I want to talk to you about something. And Jay shuts the door. Mm. Or shuts the door when he talks to me. It's not good. This is not good. Not good. And Jay said, do you remember that conversation we had in Dallas? I said, what conversation did I have with you? She said, what if I can help you start that organization you're talking about? Wow. Now, this is something weird. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm going to cut to the chase. The president of the VC just brought wants to bring a guy to take over your job. Wants to bring what? Say again. I'm wants to bring another guy in. Another guy to do your job. Okay. My job. And and also they're gonna look at actually displacing the CEO and a couple other guys. I heard the passion in your voice. Now I'm getting mad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck is this guy? I'm actually not using the word heck. I'm I'm, I'm using all the colorful words that's not very nice because now this guy is saying some weird things. I still call that day my Black Monday. Mm. Realized that was going to be the best day of my life. Wow. And then the guy told me, said, I'm going to cut to the chase. I can give you this amount of money. You will start. It was exactly six months I told my wife. Wow. Wow. Now I'm weeping. Mm-hmm. I'm out of his office. And I rushed out. I didn't even go to my office. Um, to the phone, I called my brother. I said, Tracy, I think God answered this prayer a little too quick. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I said, I think I lost my job today. She said, <laughs> <laughs> No, she's a little nervous. <laughs> and oh, by the way, <laughs> good news, bad news. She said, and then she could hear in my voice that I was crying. Mm-hmm. I come home. She said, To whom God calls, he always is. I know you're scared. I knew this day was coming. Mm. I'm glad he could have said yes. So I went home and I, we wept, we prayed, and I knew I was called, but not even a day after that stuff, I started getting calls from people. Just I guess word travels that. Um, and two days after that, I had a couple people called me and they said, Hey, we heard you no longer going to be with these guys. And Tracy looked at me. She said, If you accept any of those opportunities, you've been disobedient again. Say it again, because every now and then you break up. I want to make sure we don't miss anything. She said, said, if you even consider any of those opportunities, then you've blatantly been disobedient to God. Wow. If you consider any of those opportunities, you're being blatantly disobedient to God. Wow. 
and, and, and I looked at her and I knew she was sorer. And so I stepped out in faith. It was part of this organization called Samaritan's Feet. Mm-hmm. We put shoes in the feet of 10 million people all over the world. We wanted to make sure the dream and the vision was so audacious that only God could make the realization of this possible. Because I didn't even know what the heck 10 million looked like. Right. I knew it had to be big because if God was to make this come to fruition, God had to come true. He had to show up. I mean, I mean, yeah. and, and it was so crazy. So the first few years, Aaron, it was, we were, we were trying to distribute shoe. We did shoe drops to connect with some companies and schools. And we went on our first trip to South Africa. That was unbelievable. I still remember uh, we took 2,000 pair, 2, pairs of shoes. Is that right about it? No, it was about 1,000 pairs of shoes we took to South Africa. And we looked outside. After we finished serving the first thousand, there was over two thousand people who were shaking the gates. We were trying to throw the kids over the fence just to get a pair of shoes. Pair of shoes. Mm. After I realized, I said, "Man, this is a lot bigger than I thought." And, and I had to because the way we said, "You got to go talk to them." And I promised them, said, "I'm gonna, we're gonna come back. We're gonna make sure we serve you guys all one day," which we did. I provide you guys shoes. And from that day on, I started working so tirelessly that until that takes me, I'm going to work through this vision, not just to get to that, but one day to do the work towards creating the world with zero children. Sure. And it's crazy to think about now. Um, by the end of this year, we've been about 9 million people served. Uh, and by next year, we're looking at 10 million goal. Um, you know, three, over three years ago, almost four years ago, we started about this journey, about my dream. Uh, to be able to invent the world shoe, the first of its kind that has an active tamac probably a nano silver um, that actually um, repels bacteria parasitic infection. Uh, we actually incorporated uh, a biodegradable agent in there. So when the shelf life of the shoe is over, we can actually bury the shoes and a few years later biodegrades so we don't become an environmental nuisance. So it's good to think that God will trust uh, you know, we 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 talk, we talk a lot of time that with the in comfort in which we've been comforted, we are comfort others. Uh, my misery will one day become a ministry. I never thought a shoeless kid in Africa will one day stand, you know, on the show of TNT and and Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson and and Kenny Smith and all these guys would be going barefoot. And and because of that, uh, I got the chance to to challenge, you know. Um, you know, uh, coaches across the United States to coach barefoot, you know, from Calipari to, to just name all of them, just, uh, just to be a part of our movement. Uh, I challenge a barefoot coach from, from Indiana, IUPUI, to be the first coach to have me coach a game on national TV with no shoes in honor of Dr. King. We ended up raising, we were supposed to be 40,000 pairs of shoes in 2008. We ended up raising over 220,000 shoes, which, which led to this relationship with, with, with TNT, which we, we led me to go to the Final Four and in San Antonio, and then which led me to connecting with Ernie Johnson, which led us after we, I was on the TNT show, and this guy came to me and said, Manny, are you for real? Right. He said, I can, I can, I can get you a million shoes. I said, don't tease me. He's, he, I can get you a million shoes? A million pairs of shoes. I said, don't tease me. It turned out this gentleman was uh, one of the gear friends of Kenny Smith, he was, uh, he was part of an initiative that he was working with uh, uh, Stephen Jackson, Al Arrington, and mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. running a new shoe line called Proto-J. 
Um, you know, we're going to launch exclusively a, a, a true Sears Kmart. We just bought Kmart because, uh, you know, um, you know, what's his name? The guy that used to be in New York. Stephen Marbury just did the strawberry. Right, right, you know, right. So they were looking for an affordable type of shoe. But then Sears said, if you're going to do this, we want the launch of this product to be one of the biggest gifts. And they were looking for a way to be able to make that big splash. And it turned out that day I was on TNT. And that guy saw me. He said, that's the conduit. End up, Sears ended up donating over $34 million worth of shoes. Oh, my gosh. Donating. Million shoes worth over $30 million. You remember when I said a while ago that lady saw a convoy of trucks? It was 442 truckloads of shoes. Convoy of trucks across the nation. That represent future people that we have to put shoes on, on their feet. Think about how God does what is done. And, 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 and in 2008, I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk from Charlotte to Atlanta in my bare feet to draw attention to the plight of kids. So it was going to be the world walk. So, so I left Charlotte. My buddy, uh, Marcus Smith, their parents runs the, the Speedway here and a whole bunch of other cities. So we're going to go from the Speedway here that they're on in Charlotte to Speedway in Atlanta. I walked barefoot. I thought, I thought 300 miles was going to take me a couple of days. It ended up taking me two weeks. I didn't realize Atlanta was that far. Carolina is not flat either. I'm telling you, man, it was something else. It was, it was like, I mean, it it was in October and it's crazy. Came the hottest October on our record. (laughs) Thanks God. (laughs) The podiatrist would sit me every night and said, Manny, why are you trying to kill yourself? Yeah. I ended up losing about two or three toenails and my feet was just, and, and I still remember the podiatrist telling me, you need to stop every night. I said, I get to do this for two weeks. Mm-hmm. But for the 1.5 billion people around the world, this is their reality. Mm. And, and the head of social responsibility for Crocs actually was walking with me the first uh, five days. And I still remember Melissa, um, after, after the first couple of days, she said, man, you must be really crazy or you really believe in this. Right. I ended up doing about a million pairs of shoes because of that. Wow. It's amazing. Just people started coming out of the woodwalks. You know, we, we teamed up with Skechers through their Bob's program. We ended up distributing over 2 million pairs of shoes for them. We teamed up with Nike. And God just started bringing all these people. And then 2009 hit, the market crashed. Right. We thought we could always get shoes. And guess what happened? No shoes. So we had to completely reinvent ourselves. Mm. The business model around this, how we can find people to sponsor this distribution. So all of a sudden we realized we were actually a solution, not just for kids overseas, but kids right here in the United States. So all of a sudden the corporation were looking for social responsibility platform that they can connect with and also as a calling card to engage their associates. Mm-hmm. It became a win for them. And it yeah. We were able to now start sourcing and manufacturing or producing shoes or buying shoes so we can then, because then corporation can say, geez, I can, I can adopt out of one school in Ohio or in North Carolina or in South Carolina and Virginia, whatever it is. And we can bring 50 to 100 of our associates to come wash their feet, talk to them, take over that school that day. And imagine we've been doing all this stuff, all this been going well. And then last year, COVID hit. Mm. And, and, and we are a high impact, high energy mission where we touch the health concerns that we've got to be six foot apart, which means because of health reasons, we can't even go onto any campuses. Schools shut down. So right. we're like, how are we going to survive? Right. Livable, our team innovated. We reinvented ourselves. 
they came up with this idea called a hope toast. So we can actually put the shoes in there, put the socks in there, put hygiene kits in there. We created a way for people from around the world called our hope notes. You can go to our website and write a message of hope. Corporations started engaging and activating their corporations. They can write these hope notes. And then all of a sudden, from there, we teamed up one of our healthcare partners to give us instructions our kids can be healthy. So how do you be well? So you don't have to go contract this virus. And then there was such a social upheaval in our society with all the craziness that was going on because of racism. So we asked start, 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 start teaching kids, how do we be kind? So we give them instruction. How can you be a kind? Because we forgot what kindness was. Right. Merciful boy. Well, just who's your neighbor? Because, you know, actually we launched a, a, a Samaritan leadership institute, a, a servant leadership institute model that we're going to teach people based on the, 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 the principles and the story of the good Samaritan. We're actually going to launch a leadership philosophy based on that. Wow. How do you become a Samaritan? You know, how, and how do you reach across cross-cultural line? How do you give selflessly to show love and compassion? You know, how, how do you, how, how do you, we call it radical generosity. How do you live a life? How, the, how does corporation embrace that? How can become the ethos and the DNA of schools? We're actually teaching this stuff at Clemson University right now through our seven leaders class that we're going to be expanding to a bunch of stuff. End of this year, we're going to launch this leadership institute as part of our about future so we can because we've engaged now close to a couple hundred thousand volunteers now we're saying how can we help people discover their why and teach them this philosophy how do we identify global servants and submergence at schools high schools middle schools elementary school and reward them and recognize them and, and set them up to go start charities or whatever it is to go change the world it's amazing to think about all that started Aaron because I'm pretty sure that guy from the state of Wisconsin many people probably discouraged him right Africa. Oh, mosquitoes are going to kill you. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. But never realized he was going to activate hope in the heart of an African kid. In a, in a moment. Millions. In a moment. I was at the United Nations a few years back. And the late president of Burundi, President Pierre Kourouziza, was a dear friend of mine, him and his wife. They were recognizing them for the work that we've done with them in that country. We've established probably about four computer learning centers in the country, uh, served over 300, almost 400,000 people with shoes to prevent diseases. We've started mushroom farm, done a bunch of amazing things in the country. It was so crazy. They were recognized as five heads of states and first ladies. And as they were showing the vignette of the video of Burundi, it was all the things we were doing in that country. Wow. I come to Tracy, I said, you got to pinch me. Mm-hmm. So remember, Tracy looked at me. He said, honey, I think you forgot what kingdom you're from. You forgot what kingdom what you're kingdom from? you're from. Wow. I said, man, I'm this poor African kid. Mm-hmm. I used to be a water sales boy. Mm-hmm. And I gave a pair of shoes to. I said, all I'm doing is just washing people's feet. Right. And I love them. You keep dreaming big. I never knew we would be part of the reconciliation story that happened in Burundi. The Hutu and Tutsis wash each other's feet. And every time they put on a pair of shoes, We'll read the peace declaration that I will not kill. I will live in peace. I wonder if it never came. People like you and I doesn't become the face of loving communities. We can give a cup of water in the name of Christ. We can give a pair of shoes in the name of Christ. We, we, we can go show love at Taiwan schools across America. Mm-hmm. Just wonder how many millions would not be served if that died in the There's one guy. One guy from Wisconsin showed up, right? 
in the ripple the ripple generosity man manny i'm i'm gonna um I'm going to say a, a, a couple of things and I've, I haven't not been paying attention at times. I've been writing notes um, and, and our connection at times is broken up and I don't want to miss any of this. And I want people to just in case it broke up and, and people are still listening. Uh, there's a few things you've said that are so rich. Um, one of them was misery becomes ministry. Your misery, your misery becomes your ministry, man alive. Uh, that. I don't, we don't need to say anything else that you're, you're living that. And if, if anybody's been listening for the past, I don't know, 45 minutes, hour, your minutes, your misery became your ministry. And thank God for that guy from Wisconsin that, that showed up that day. And that basketball that rolled over into a place where you picked it up, it changed your life. Um, I think we look for these aha moments and sometimes God's so simple. You know what I mean? It's like I, I've given you a million aha moments and you missed every one of them. Like, I, what else do you need from me? You know what I mean? And come you, on, come on. You, you have absolutely lived that. Um, the other thing I will tell you is it sounds like you had an incredible mom, as did I. And, um, and you have an incredible bride, as do I. Um, those two things are so important, right? I mean, I know that, that you spoke about your dad and, and um, losing him and, and those challenges, but you had an incredible mom of faith. And you have an incredible bride that puts wind in your sails. Um, and, you know, boy, if we if we've got one of those two things or both, man, we're we're blessed. Right. <laughs> we're blessed because, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a visionary, too, as evidence of this podcast. And, you know, to, to have a bride or, or a mom that says, go do go do it. I, you know what I mean? Um, and then to have a bride and now I'm going to get choked up. Um, uh, to have a bride that stands behind you, man, it's uh, you, you got to have it. It's it's huge. And thank God for for our brides. Um, you said we're in the top 10 percent of the world in in wealth. Right. Um, I think we forget that sometimes because we get caught up in the fact that I have to wear a mask in the gas station. Sorry, that's not a political rant. It's just the truth. Right. Man, man, have we got it messed up. Um, and, and I think you've seen enough. And I, I, I say that not to be political or to uh, for any other reason than we really need a wake up call. Sometimes you need that cold cup of water thrown in your face to realize, man, we're blessed. We're blessed. I can go pick a restaurant right now within five minutes of my house. And there's people that don't have shoes. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but but seriously, think about that for a minute. Like, that's unbelievable. Um, the other thing that I think that you said that was so powerful is you pushed the bar so high that God had to show up. It was that audacious. And you know what? Sometimes we have to do that, right? Like, I can make an easy goal. I mean, I think I think sometimes like, hey man, easy, you know, easy goal. No, you sometimes you got to push that thing so far out there that there's no way, because you know we want we want signs and wonders. When the reality is, sometimes you got to step out. You have to take that moment of faith and say, I'm going to push this out there so far that trust me, I'm going to fail huge if God doesn't show up. And you know what he he usually does. If you if if you've had the signs and wonders that you've had throughout your career your wife going to the conference, all the things, all these stories, you know, these things that you had, you had those signs and wonders. He sent you every sign to say, go to Nineveh. <laughs> and you went, come on, come on. You went. <laughs> and because of that, he showed up and he continues mm -hmm. to show up in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a global, you know, crash of the market. 
he's now created new new avenues for you. We were supposed to serve a million last year. We ended up serving 747,000 in the midst of a pandemic. In the midst of a pandemic, when you can't you know, touch or be near people. I mean, only God can do such a thing. Right. It's amazing. You know, so, so, it's amazing. So, you know, I, I, wrote, I wrote a book titled Soul Purpose. And, okay. You know, and, and you can get that. You can go to manualhomie.com and you can get this. And, and uh, it's amazing to think. Um, and you can read in there. And, and, and I title it Soul Purpose for one reason. It's a double minute. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, S-O-L-E means our soul, but also the soul of our feet. Yes. What's the singular purpose for which we've been created? I think that's the journey. If you're looking for that journey, get this book. Yeah. It shows all those God ha-ha moments. Right. The power of saying yes to God. Right. Three-letter word. Not three-letter word. It's pretty powerful. That yes. Radicalize and transform your life. The CS. Well, I'm so glad you brought it up. And honestly, Manny, we could talk for hours. Um, I, and I, but I want to be respectful of your time because you are an important. You know, you you are a busy man and, and a lot. Um, I will have all the links, but let's run through them real quick. You have a book. You have a business. Samaritan's not a business. A, you have a nonprofit. I believe it is. Is, is Samaritan's Feet? Yeah, so, so Samaritan's Feet is a nonprofit. We have. Um, I have a speaking business. I speak across the country. Um, I have books and. Um, um, you know, um, I'm launching this uh, this leadership institute or some American leadership institute. Right, right. Um, I serve on a number of boards. Uh, uh, you know, one of them being I serve as chair of one of the largest healthcare group, actually in the Midwest, called Sand for the Health, about a seven billion dollar company. So I'm, I'm involved because in, I'm always a student. I'm always learning. I came from a technology background. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I own a shoe company. That's um, you know. So so it's just it's amazing to think about you know, how God can use your yes mm-hmm. to truly, and, and, and always remember, make sure your vision and your goal is big enough to create rooms for others to join you. Right. Oh, I love that. When you truly make, you know, life lasting changes. Say that, say that again. I really love that, that your no, bigger, I, your room, your, your, I'm just screwed up. You say it again. No, just to make sure your vision and your dream is big enough to create room for others to join you. Oh, you have long life lasting changes. That was a uh, mic know, drop I, moment, man. You know, <laughs> you know but, 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 it's, but it's so true because I tell people all the time, because for me, um, you know, I get the chance to, 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 to hang out from, from CEOs of some of the top corporations to the, some of the top NFL, NBA, you mentioned, to, to regular people. Um, you know, I still remember us, you know, serving some of the homeless kids at, at the corporate headquarters of General Motors in, in Detroit, Michigan. Mm. And I've been working for, for for GM for over 30 years, weeping, saying, I've been doing this for over 30 years, but never in my wildest dream they ever think the C-suite of General Motors would be humble enough to go wash people's feet. Yes. And bring them to their corporate headquarters. Mm. Because I think sometimes God uses us to really... Um, 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 you know, inspect what he's expecting from others because mm-hmm. it's, it's a mirror you put in their faces. You say, man, I'm, I'm not doing enough to make a difference. So I always tell people that, that truly serving to others will emancipate us from the dungeon of our own self because we are selfish. And once you turn that around and start serving others, God start creating some unbelievable opportunity. Service and humility and love of people. The world changes. Yeah. 
Man, Manny, this has been uh, and and we never even said shout out to my my bestie Chris for uh, and my former <laughs> college roommate, best man, all those things for setting this up. Um, man, I what a blessing uh, this has been for me, um, and I know it's going to reach and bless. Hopefully, it'll reach a lot of people. I can't tell how many people it bless, reaches, but I do know that anybody that hears this will be blessed. Um, what what are the ways that we can help? And I know we'll get all the links. I'll put everything in there. You mentioned you have a website. Samaritan's Feet has a website. Absolutely. Um, you have a book. A book, a, a world shoe. You can go to theworldshoe.com. 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 Okay. Um, you, can, um, you can also, um, right now, we, we have a vision to put, we actually launched as part of this pandemic, a new concept, an innovation called a shoe locker. We put in for five thousand dollars. You can put a locker at a Title One school in your community anywhere in the United States, where there will be access ready for teachers, principals, resource officers, guidance counselor. When they see kids that's coming to school with shoes that are sometimes two, three, four sizes too small, they can meet that need right there. And so we are right there. And every year we can always replenish that. And people can do that. You can your family can do that. Your your corporation can do that. Your church can do that. Your civic group can do that. Um, you know, you as a foundation can do that. People can join us. And that's one thing we want to be able to have people join us right now. And I'm so excited. I'm thinking the next year here, we're going to move into our new corporate office, uh, you know, a 15 gig campus here in Charlotte that I'm very excited about. Uh, you know, just everything that's great starts out small and I can see the hand of God. So I want to challenge you watching today and you say, man, I have this idea, but I just don't know how to start. Oh, I'm going to tell you, just start. Yeah. Just say yeah. yes. Just start. And uh, so, so be a soul society partner. Go give, become a monthly partner with us and, and give a pair of shoes a day, give a pair of shoes a month. Let your family make some sacrifice. Go on a mission trip with us. You know, you, you, know, you, you want to experience that. Bring your company, bring your family, bring your school. Let's go serve together. I guarantee you, your life will never be changed the same again. Because when you pick up a pair of feet that's been bruised, battered, dirty, and you start washing that feet, and, and all of a sudden, some surges start happening in your heart. You think making a difference in their lives, but mm -hmm. they you. And, and then they start sharing their dreams with you. And all of a sudden, you realize God is using you to truly become an answer to somebody else's prayer. And that's what we're doing all over the world. So thank you for having me today. Oh, man. Can't wait to see how we can serve the world together. Maybe we can bring this to your city, be a part, to get people to get engaged. And let's let's adopt a bunch. Let's set up some some, some, some shoe lockers at Title I schools across Ohio. Let's change people's lives. But through this, let's turn these people that think they know success and encourage them to be humble to serve. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that, that line right there is powerful too. Think they know success and encourage them to be humble because God, God opposes the, the proud, right? I mean, he, right. um, and, and, Man, there's there's so many things that you said. I wish we had another hour. I really do because there's so many things you said. And, and a couple more points. You have connections with the NBA, NFL. You said you were on TNT. Um, you've you've. It's amazing that God has connected you in so many ways. And um, when offline, I I'm going to make a connection for you in Ohio that I think will be very very important for you um, and for the connection I'm going to make for you because I think it's I think it would be huge uh, for both of you. I think it'll benefit both parties and ultimately benefit God's mission and work in this. In, Thank you in, in, here Thank in the you. world. Appreciate so, that. um, man, that's so anybody listening to this, if you know of a connection again, um, I will have the links in this post. Um, but at the same time, contact me, I will get them in touch with you. Um, anybody listening, cause I think you, you mentioned one other thing that I, before we get up, um, a lot of companies will do a sponsorship of, uh, whatever it is. 
but they also have a reserve for philanthropic type opportunities. And many of them are leaning more towards the philanthropic nowadays than they are about just putting their name on a NASCAR or a, in some gym somewhere or whatever it is. Uh, they will f- much more be likely to give philanthropically because it obviously benefits a lot of different things, including that, their business, you know, financially and all those things. So, Anybody listening to this that you have a business, this this is this is a really good opportunity for you. And hopefully this this time has been worth it. It's been worth it for me. If nothing else, you've man, you filled my cup today um, in so many ways. Uh, what a blessing. And I can see why you and Chris were friends. Uh, you, you're good people, man. Um, you're just great people. I, thank you so much. I, what an honor this has been for me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. And yeah. you just blessed us and that unscripted would be all over the place, man, all over the map. And I'm uh, trying, man. I'm trying. Hey, I'm I'm, 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 I'm out there. God's got to show up. He's got to be our day. He's already there. He's already there. Keep doing it, man. Keep letting your light shine, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. Have a great evening. This has been the latest episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad, from his studio at the Junction in Old Hilliard. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll be back with another great guest soon. We'll see you next time.